Blog Talk Radio. I'm a truth terrorist. I'm a knowledge gangster. I'm a black history hitman. I'm a live killer urban gorilla. I gotta be a roughneck. Free the black Panthers. FCBP. Stand for free the black Panthers. If up the black police. That 13th Amendment. Trying to make a slave of me. You can like my body, can't trap my mind, not forever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers, and fuck the black police. Feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership roles, but we still here, in the bill here, up coin tail pro. Show, they got me started, lying hearted, I'm the new Mufasa. And I'm all about Umoja, first in Guzu Saba. Let's bring back the black families, we need our father. Single mama, son and daughter, that's root of the problem. Wise up, we wise up. Unity is so powerful. Black banks, black schools, black on black power moves. You telling lies, you think this shit won't be televised. Black power, be scared guys, that be standing there like they paralyzed. Huh? We say fuck the system, cause we above the system. We keep ARs and pistols, shotguns that's worth the crystal. But that's for self-defense, make sure we have no issues. Be sure to leave it at the door if you have it with you. This for them freedom fighters, that lost their freedom. Until they freedom, we screaming carpe diem. This for the general, King Khalid Muhammad. We gon' make your day a holiday, I fuck me promise. Free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers. If up the black police, that 13th Amendment, tryna make a slave of me. You can like my body, can't trap my mind, not forever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers. If up the black police, feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership roles. My sisters, my brothers, the council, the elders, that's really all I need. We suited, we booted, don't do it, you stupid, we head to the armory. Black woman and goddess, regardless, my heart just don't fuck with misogyny, bullshit, I don't tolerate it. Melanated, so you gotta hate it. Barack up up another conversation. Trump finna get inaugurated, damn. Unify or die. NBPP.org. First and foremost, the new Black Panther Party, no, no other Black Panther Party, we are not violent. We are for self-defense and self-determination. And the most violent group in this country are the police. What is taking place by the police department to black people across this country is ethnic cleansing and genocide. It has escalated Barack Obama was inaugurated in 2008. We have a, 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 a people who are only 13% of the population, yet we make up 80%. Of so, this is my most favorite part of live events public comment. Right, and we definitely need to hear from folks. Um, I just want to also acknowledge the leadership that we have in City Hall and our very own Mayor Karen Bass. For such, you know, I, I was actually concerned it was such a long time coming for this moment to happen, but I just don't want it to be lost on any of us that we're in this space and we're in this time where these things are moving forward with the leadership of our first African-American female mayor. 
So with that, I'm going to turn it over to the commission, and we want to hear from you. You've heard from this side. We want to hear um, from the community on where we need to move forward so public comment can continue. Um, Madam Chair, you are the chair today. Thank you so much. Um, first, I want uh, everyone, if you have a pen, phone, however it is you need to record this information, I want to make sure that you have the email um, to reach us because today we will only have public comment from 30 people. I have a list that we're going to go through. Um, each person will have uh, one minute each to speak, but I want to make sure everyone in the room has the email. The email is lacr-reparations, lacr-reparations at lacity.org. So if you're unable to comment today, um, I would like you to make sure that you email us your comments today. Uh, the first person, I'm going to call people up three at a time so you can line up. Martin Sneer, Sequoia Mercier, and Gomo Coley, you are the first three speakers. Hello, City of LA. How y'all doing today? Good, good. I want to thank uh, the Civil for uh, Human Rights and Equity Department for even having this discussion today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, first, I just want to say, don't tiptoe around my ancestors, though. You know, LA has a lot of blood on their hand. I think I can speak for LA when I say, speak for all of us out here when I say that. This county has a lot of blood on their hand when it comes. My great-granddaddy came from uh, Louisiana. He fought in the Civil War. And he made sure that when he came out here that he was striving to provide a better life for his future generations. Only to see that only the future generations have to struggle and go through the torment and torture that we have faced here in L.A. County. So I just want to say don't tiptoe around my ancestors when it comes to this issue. Let's make sure that we hold people that are accountable for the things that they have done to us over these last couple generations that we have been here that we make sure that these people are held accountable for the wrongdoings that they have, uh, uh, atrocities that they have inflicted upon our people. So I just ask that the council that has been put together, that you don't tiptoe around this issue, you don't be soft around this issue, and that you be 100% authentic and real when it comes to our ancestors who have fought and died for this situation that we're in today. Reparation is a beautiful thing, but if you want to repay me and my ancestors for the things that we have done, Give us land and give us cash. Thank you so much for your comments. Yes. My name is Sequoia Mercier, and uh, I wanted to let the family know that there's a, a move about to change the designation for African Americans and black Americans on the census. And you have until April the 27th to weigh in. Uh, you can just Google initial proposals for updating O as Olivia, M as in Mary, B as in black, OMB's race and ethnicity. So if you Google that, 
they'll, on the top of the form, there'll be a place that says submit a formal comment, and there you'll be able to weigh in on this issue. Thank you. And thank, thank you for that. Yeah. And that was you. huge. Yeah. And thank th you. Thank you to the Commission for giving your time and energy for this work for our people. Free the land. Monla, it's been years. <laughs> Free the land. Thank you. Yes, Google initial proposals for updating OMB's race and ethnicity. And the form will come up, and at the top right corner, there'll be a place that says submit a formal comment. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Gomo. Good afternoon. My name is Gomo Kali, and I was in the military for 16 years as an intel analyst and a chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear specialist. And now that I'm out, I, my question for the commission is the bureaucracy that goes behind setting these things in place that we get things done and we have a deadline and we, you know, don't have all these barriers that are in the way you know, for our people and also getting our people to be self-sufficient because we live on a grid that gets expensive and cost of living gets expensive over time. So that is one thing that I want for our people to be more self-sufficient, that we don't have to rely on electricity and gas and food and that we have some land we can grow our own food and learn how to use renewable resources to benefit our people. And I yield. Thank you so much. The next three speakers are King Malik, Zachariah, Big Money Griff, and Jerry Abram, MD. Uh, my name is King Malik Zachariah. I am an activist for reparations for the modern day descendants of American Negro slaves directing the reparations studio around we are looking for singers. My point is, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa are developing a new currency. Where we are today, um, if, we, if we keep this going on, if we keep talking about it, if we keep studying reparations, by the time we get anything, the American dollar may have no more power, no more value. So both my parents were born and raised in Vicksburg, Mississippi during the Jim Crow South. And they suffered through just horrific intimidation, okay? So we're in denial of a couple things here. We're in denial of the diagnosis of post-traumatic slave disorder and epigenetic explanation. The research on, thank you, yes, the research on epigenetic explanation suggests this, and this is true. The intimidation, the crimes and atrocities that our great-grandparents, our grandparents and our parents experienced have been etched on our DNA and passed down to us through generation to generation. So we are people in pain. Now, in 1921, they bombed, they burned, and was a murderous rampage that uh, destroyed the, the black uh, Wall Street, okay? And so our people have never received any uh, justice for that. We've not been compensated for that. So we don't need to put this off. We don't need to put this off any longer. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comment, King Malik. I'm Mars Griffin, better known as Big Money Griff, strong community activist, leader, and problem solver. So goes California, so goes the nation. The one word that I wanted to hear was police brutality. The other word I wanted to hear was the prison inmates 
that were all black. And the last thing I wanted to hear was about the crack cocaine. Money should come from our city budget for the wrongs, the atrocities that have happened to black African Americans here in Los Angeles. First and foremost, I believe that so goes California, so goes the nation when we talk about Gavin Newsom, who has the aspirations of being a president of the United States, and he can bring in Karen Bass as a one-two when we deal with homelessness. You clean up homelessness in this city, you clean up homelessness in the state of California, so goes California, so goes this nation in giving us reparations. I'm asking for $5,000 every single month to the day we die, tax-free. That's $120 billion that can come from each one of the budgets that's dealing with the state of California when we talk about the, the special budget, the budget, the, the, the bond fund, and other funds. Money can come from each one of those budgets. So spread the word, what you heard, on how we need to strategize to get our people to realize that in spite of all past years' adversity, success can still be obtained. Thank you so much for your comment. Good day. My name is Dr. Jerry Abraham. I am the Director and Chief Vaccinologist My name is Dr. Jerry Abraham, and I'm the Director and Chief Vaccinologist at Kedron in South Los Angeles, a historically black acute psychiatric hospital. I also am faculty at the Charles Drew University, our historically black medical school in town. In our work at Kedron and at CDU, we see every day the harms that have been created from the history and the past that people live. We see the disproportionate burden of mental illness. We see the lack of resources, the lack of care, the inequitable distribution of care that our communities receive, especially right in South Los Angeles. We know that reparations will be an important part of bringing our community forward and healing. We cannot be healthy unless we are wealthy and wise, and we must bring generational wealth to our communities in South Los Angeles. CDU and Kedron really believe that one way to improve the health of our people is to ensure that they have reparations. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comment. Thank you. I want to take a quick second to acknowledge uh, State Reparations Task Force Chair Camila Moore is in the building. Thank you for being here. Okay, so our next three speakers, Tierra Ryder, Ian Jameson, Amanda Woodson. Hi everyone, I'm Tierra Ryder. I'm a black American freedman, a descendant. Um, I am an advocate for the grassroots website, thefreedmansbureau.org, so that is something that I do want to see returned. It was never in California or in Los Angeles, but we absolutely do need to see that. I just want to be clear again that reparations does need to include direct cash repair to the descendant class. Repar cash reparations is owed at the local, state, and federal levels of government. The city of LA, um, what you owe the uh, American Freedmen class is somewhere around two to five million um, dollars per descendant. 
I just want to remind you all that in 1865, President Lincoln said that without the military help of black American freedmen, the Civil War against the South would not have been won. So a reminder that this country stands today because of the work that our ancestors did, and then the U.S. reneged on the debt that they owed us, right? Our people weren't fighting just to save the Union. They were fighting to save our enslaved ancestors in the violent Confederate South. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your time. Cash reparations. Cash, cash, cash. Thank you so much. Ian Jameson and Amanda Woodson, last call. Ian and Amanda, moving on. David Hawthorne, Shantae Hines, Marilyn Calhoun. Okay, uh, my name is David Hawthorne. Um, Come closer to the mic, sir. Okay. My name is David Hawthorne, and uh, generally I'm focusing on the, uh, the solutions and not the problems, but uh, up there it does say harm. And I came across a personal experience I'd like to share with everyone in the hopes that you can feel it the way I felt it then. Uh, in the late 90s, I... Um, uh, went to a presentation it was part of a uh, uh, national scuba diving uh, uh, organization that I was a part of and uh, we had gotten some relics from a slave ship called the Henrietta Maria and it became very personal to me because I was crying while I was presenting the information and I want you to try to picture this a shackle about this size I can still feel it today. Where do you think they use that shackle? Need I say more? Okay. Uh, currently, uh, from that and the experiences of many people in this country, many of our people in this country, uh, I now stand as a person who's developing a drone business. So the tragedy of that has led to the success of today. And I hope it'll be for everybody. Thank you so much for that. Shante Hines, Marilyn Calhoun, Billion. I see Billion in the building. Looks like you up next. Billion Gosson, Africa Town Coalition. So the concern is this. Um, we know this conversation has been happening for a minute, and right now in this city, black people are being driven out this city expeditiously. So how long will this process take? Because we know since COVID, people have been dying left and right. We know rent is going up, um, people have been evicted. So when is it you all expect the checks are going to get cut, the land is going to be handed over? Um, but I do say to us, too, in the meantime, while this is happening, we also are going after the corporations like Wells Fargo, Chase. We have to put pressure on all angles because we know they also ben benefited off of slavery. If we wait for this, a lot of us in this room right now won't be here by the time these checks get cut. So we have to get more involved, turn up the heat, and press from all angles. I love y'all. I thank y'all. Black Power. Black Power. Okay, next I have Raymond, 
Micah and G. Cruz. And before they step to the mic, uh, we have Commissioner Virgil Roberts has just joined the stage. Um, Commissioner Roberts, if you could introduce yourself, sir. Well, good afternoon. Sorry I'm late, but I wanted to hear the public comment. Uh, can you hear me now? Uh, I'm Virgil Roberts. I apologize for being late, but I really wanted to be here to hear the public comment. Uh, I'm an attorney here in town. Uh, I have been involved in a lot of efforts to try and create justice for black folks, going back to my early days as a lawyer when I represented the NAACP in the Los Angeles School Desegregation case. Uh, I serve on a number of nonprofit boards. Uh, I've created some organizations, including the African American Board Leadership Institute, designed to train and place uh, black professionals on governing boards and commissions. Uh, and I'm very much interested in what we can do to try and address the harms that have been inflicted on black folks for the last 450 years. So I look forward to hearing your comments. We're going to listen to them as a commission and take them into consideration and do all that we can to try and assist the city of Los Angeles in um, making retribution or reparations for the harms that have been caused to black folks over, this, over the decades. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Roberts. And I'm going to call these names again, Micah, G. Cruz, Raymond, and the, okay, so that's one and two. And then the next folks are going to be T Tiffany Quarles, Badonna Jarvis, and Rex Osagi. I'm Micah. I'm family. I'm uh, here to speak about reparations, of course. You know, I believe that we should most definitely receive what appreciates since uh, we appreciate our ancestors and everyone that has flooded our borders seems to appreciate this land that has been our ancestors. As I speak, as foundational black Americans, um, we most definitely should receive commodities uh, in the form of silver, gold, diamonds, that, has been, that which has been taken from this land and taken from our land and also land in general. So that way, whatever form of dollar or currency that, is, uh, that, that, that arises, it will be backed or that we can make our own currency. But I feel that we should most definitely, I feel like that we should most definitely be, um, you know, independent of this um, ungrateful situation that we found ourselves in, family. And I'm speaking to you, and I'm letting y'all know that this is what it's going to be. Thank you. Thank you very much. G. Hello. Cruz, Tiffany Quarles. Gary Cross. Um, it was beautiful to see all of us here together working for, you know, the similar situation that we deserve reparations for. Um, we've been in this country a long time. We got to remember who we are as a people, what we've done in the past before we even reached the shores of America. Um, you know, we got to start manifesting what are we going to do with our money? What are we going to invest it in? Who are we going to be after this? Because once they give us the money, we ain't going to have no more excuses. So, you know, let's just start praying on ourselves and remembering that we are blessed people, beautiful people. Don't forget 
that you were the first people on this planet. <laughs> you are entitled to so much more. Uh, this is an old conversation, you know, reparations. That was 1865. It's 2023. So that's a little strange, but, you know, we deserve it. Just love ourselves. That's it. Thank you so much. Madonna Jarvis, Rex, I'm sorry, Tiffany Quarles, Madonna Jarvis, and then Rex Osagi. All right, good morning, every, well, good afternoon. My name is Tiffany Quarles, and I'm with the National Assembly of American Slavery Descendants Los Angeles. We worked with Mayor Garcetti to set this commission up. We worked with Secretary Weber to set the state commission up. So this is the result of our activism because we are convinced that this country owes the descendants of U.S. slavery a debt. So I want to thank Mayor Garcetti and Mayor Bass for recognizing the importance of t dealing with this subject. It's been 400 years. We started in 2019, the 400th year. And so I want to say in terms of eligibility, it has to be descendants of U.S. slavery. It cannot be anybody else. Period. Lineage matters. I want to say to the commission, please ensure that the African Americans who descend from U.S. slavery are the sole beneficiaries. We built this country. Nobody else. We fought in every war. We are owed no one else. Period. And so, right. That's my time, but I want to say lineage matters. If it's race-based, it will get thrown out in the courts, and we did not come this far for you to mess up and get it thrown out. Lineage matters. American Freedmen. Thank you. What's up, everybody? My name is Raymond with the African Town Coalition. Yes, slavery is overdue for our ancestors that descend from slavery here in America. I'm a foundational black American. My ancestors descend from Texas and Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, yeah, we don't need no HR 40. We need cash reparations now because the reparations 40 here is nothing but a sham. And, and we need land. And, and then these institutions own reparations too for slavery too. The banks owe us, these churches owe us, and all that though. It ain't just that, the government though. So we need our reparations now. And I'm going to speak on that. Our ancestors build this slavery. Our ancestors build this land off of 400 to 500 years of free labor. We build a White House. We build all these accomplishments and inventions that are um, that got stolen from us. So yeah, we need reparations from all the inventions that got stolen from our ancestors. So yeah, we need more. And we will get our reparations. And I'm going to speak on the black and brown. There's no such thing as a black and brown coalition. Dr. Henry Clark said there's best all we have to each other. So we need to focus on ourselves as our ancestors want us to. And I'm, that's all I got to say. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Badonna Jarvis. Um, I remember I heard you say that your great-grandmother knew that she was from the Congo. Mm -hmm. I think that we all need to know where we come from. Slavery has stripped us of our heritage, and I think that we need to get it back. And um, I think we need to create a fund where we can get Ancestry.com or whatever um, genealogy tracing tool free to us. So because our history is rooted in chattel slavery, and that's the root, and, the, and a dysfunctional root creates a dysfunctional fruit. So we need to go back before chattel slavery and find out where we really come from. And also, the um, black people that have been um, falsely imprisoned for crimes they haven't committed and they get exonerated later, they need to get paid more than the state minimum. They need to be paid at least $500 or $1,000 a day for every day that they spend in prison for a crime they didn't commit. And also, the, um, 
the, the last thing is that the people that were victim of redlining, I think that we should create a fund for them that give them um, uh, down payments for homes that they couldn't get because of redlining. Thank you. Thank you for that. This is Rex, y'all. Okay, we got the youth in the building. Everybody give it up for him. Hello, I'm Rex Osagi, and I think that black people should have access to free financial literacy classes and credit repair and credit counseling. Okay, wait a minute. We didn't hear the last part. Come back. He said financial literacy and what? Financial literacy classes, credit repair, and credit counseling. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You heard it from the mouth of the babes. Um, okay. After Rex, we have Emmanuel Macias, Val Carson, and Kimlin Johnson. And then after those three, we have the last three on the list. Captain, oh, Gerald Higginbottom is in the house. Ivy and Marquis uh, Barber. Those are the last speakers that we have on the list. Hello, my name is Val Carlson. I'm with the Freedom Socialist Party here in Los Angeles. Our Comrades of Color Caucus has developed a uh, revolutionary call for black reparations that addresses the history of previous attempts at uh, reparations, the history of how intricately involved racism is throughout our entire culture and provides a 10-point program for comprehensive collective reparations that includes publicly funded national health care services for everyone, full funding for schools in a black and education, black positive educational system, full employment, restoration of affirmative action, housing for all, stamp out police terror, eliminate the school prison pipeline, end environmental racism, secure the right to vote, and a formal apology for racism and Jim Crow. It's going to take a massive movement led by African Americans to put this into effect. We encourage you as you develop your program to look at this comprehensive approach so that we solve this problem once and for all. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Okay. Okay, hi, my name is Kimlin Johnson and I'm the founder and president of the Be Relit organization. We're actually on the participatory budget ballot. So please check us out there for solving math anxiety. But here, I'm here today because what concerns me about the reparations is how we treat each other. I think we need counseling and to put a lot of investment in the counseling so that we can rebuild the black community. And I'm not saying this just to say this. I wrote a book called Authenticity, Accountability, and Ambitions. And the chapter I'm talking about is Scared to be Black the 10 mm. behaviors that keep the black community struggling. We really need to learn how to love each other and rebuild our communities again. So that's what my suggestion is. Thank you. Thank you for that, Kimlin. 
Good afternoon. My name is Ivy Jean. I am the president of Africa. That's spelled A-F-F-R-E-E-C-A. -E -E it stands for American Freedom Fighters, Resources, Educational Excursions, and Community, Community Advocacy. We advocate for reparations in the form of free education and free travel, uh, two things that were prohibited from us during the institution of slavery. Uh, currently, I am looking for board members, volunteers. Please um, get with me, and I'll give you my card. Uh, we do. We have services such as uh, passport education. We're doing currency um, information because we do hope to bring people from uh, America to Africa or all over the world to support and um, celebrate Afroculture worldwide. Thank you. Thank you. the honor of bringing to you our Queen Mother, Mildred Pitts Walter. She's a noted children's author, a civil rights activist. She is 100 years old, and she is still very active. Come on. I will have one minute, <laughs> but <laughs> I just turned a hundred years old and have been studying the history of this nation for a long time. More than 200 years ago, the uh, Reconstruction, remember, talked about 30 uh, and a mule and 30 acres and a mule. 58 years ago, President Johnson set up the Kerner Committee that was the first committee to even discuss the conditions that we were under during slavery. The Constitution does not mention slavery one time, we are the other in the Constitution and property. So I am here to say that in 2008, Congress apologized, if you remember, for slavery. Mm -hmm. An apology means you did somebody wrong. And you Christians know that when you have wronged somebody, you go and you ask forgiveness so that you can live in harmony. That has never happened in this nation. We need reconciliation before we will be allowed reparations. <laughs> there are people who would discuss the fact that we are still considered property. 
And the Constitution says you give reparations to people who have lost their property. So let us, let us make an effort to discuss slavery as it was in this nation and as it was prominently carried on by the Constitution with at least 10 amendments making slavery prominent. Let us discuss that and lose the illness of this nation that is guilt, <coughs> guilt, fear that white people have and anger that African Americans suffer. That must be done in reconciliation. They will lose their guilt and fear. We will be able to forgive and lose our anger. And the nation will be healed. The nation will be healed and become one. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to thank you. My grandmother is 94 years old. My great-grandmother was 107 years old in 2012. And so thank you. You are our elder. We here, we receive you, and thank you for taking the time to be here today. Yes, he does. Thank you. She said her great-grandson has to be protected. And the part of the work of reparations is not necessarily for ourselves, but it is for the generations to come. Right on. So thank you. Okay. Uh, I know, yes, you, Higginbottom, I think we're the last couple on the list, and then we will take a couple from the line that has formed. Thank you so much. My name is Emmanuel. Absolutely. You're welcome, ma'am. My name is Emmanuel, and I'm a native Angelino, a UCLA graduate and an artist. Um, 
I work with the Los Angeles Public Library and the Octavia Butler Memory Lab. And um, a lot of us in our communities don't have access to digital equipment to work on our art. Um, the last time that I was in this uh, space, uh, I was listening to uh, KRS-One speak, and the two things that he left the audience with was don't be selfish with your purpose hmm. and never underestimate your ancestors. So primarily the work that the Memory Lab does um, is preserve uh, the lives, histories, and futures of African Americans. There's only uh, four libraries of this kind um, that turns old formats into digital formats. Um, our ancestors are remembering us forward and guiding us. And I just, I just want to say in closing, uh, to the memories of Bunchy Carter and John Higgins, two uh, African-American Black Panther students, uh, and uh, the petition to change uh, Campbell Hall to Bunchy Carter Hall, and also Sojourner Truth, um, to earn money while she uh, gave free lectures. She sold pictures of herself with the caption, I saw the shadow to support the substance. Thank you so much. Thanks for mentioning the art. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am so honored to be here. I got up and drove up here from Long Beach. I wanted to be here. And I just want to acknowledge this group and say thank you. Thank you for what you guys are doing because it's so important. Uh, and I want to honor the one minute. I have two, really two questions that I want to ask the group here. Uh, one of the questions is, are you going to be honoring the United States Constitution because it is the law of the land? That's a simple yes or no answer. I believe the city is bound by the U.S. constitutional law, although the attorneys should be asked and directed that question, but I believe the answer to that is yes. Okay. Uh, I, and my follow-up question is that um, then how are you going to get around the 14th Amendment, Section 4, and I'd like to read it to you, so it's only two or three lines. It says, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payments of pensions and bounties for service in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned, but neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States or any claim for the loss of emancipation of any slave, not African-American, not black, not Negro, but slave. But all such debts, obligations, and claims shall be held illegally and void. And then five, it says, the Congress shall have power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provision of this article ratified by the 14th Amendment. So here's, you got, you, you got an issue. You got an issue. And I'd like to give you the solution how we get around that, if you will. Thank you. Email us that solution. LACR.reparations at lacity.org. All right, so we're going to take, uh, how much time do we have? Time? Time? 
What's your name? Marquis. I mean, we started a little late. Okay, so we're going to take two two folks from the line. We'll go here, here. He's on the list. You have Marquis that says he signed up for the list, so if we can take him last, okay. and then we can do two more after Okay, him. great. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Marquis, and I first and foremost want to say I'm really excited to hear about reparations here because I'm born and raised in L.A., and I know the struggles that we deal with. Um, I'm gonna, I know I have a short time, but I want to just tell a little story. Um, I come from L.A., born and raised, and went to Horseman Crenshaw High School, uh, my father is, was a previous gang member. My mother just graduated a high school degree, and um, it was five of us total. So my mother was able to figure out a way to get us into college. So I was able to go to college at Tuskegee University in Alabama, right? HBCU, and, come on. And, um, and when I went there, it had a, I had a total shift in my, in my mind in how, how I saw black people. I saw black excellence. I saw black businesses. I saw black educators, and they were supporting me and giving, feeding me what I needed, needed to be so I could come here today and speak to you all. You hear me? So um, after that, I went to Charles Drew University, and I, did a, a, I studied urban public health, right? And I went out in, in the community, right, with CDU, talking to people. And I've seen the difference that it made for us to be there, to get resources, to be available to people, to educate people. And so I'm excited about reparations because I know that once we get reparations, people like me, millennials, we can begin to buy houses, right? We can begin to start our lives. Uh, a lot of us who, you know, went to college, right, have all this debt, probably going to pay for a house and have this debt, and then be successful, have a family, and be happy. Reparations is needed, it's needed right now. Thank you. Thank you. Mark Ward. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Los Angeles was established in 1781 with 44 people. Out of that 44, 21 were black, just like this room. So I want the commission to look at the room. What does the room tell you? The room tells you this is a, a black thing. This is not money be going to DACA. This is not money going to uh, environmental justice. This is money for harm done before 1996 with 209 was put into legislature. You can grandfather it. Some people in here are attorneys. Some people are attorneys and doctors, so they know the rules. They know the stress level. Like in 2020, when Harvard put out a study saying that stress, trauma, can stay in the genetic code for 14 generations. This is what you're seeing right here. So it would be our best bet to make sure we get our reparations like the Asians did in the 70s under Ronald Reagan, and then the Jews got after World War II from the United States. We've been here. We need to get appropriate. One more thing. After the Civil War ended, with 40 acres and a mule. Well, this is 2023, so we should have 70 acres and four Arabian horses plus all the money. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and thank you to the panel. My name is James Alexander Brannan. I'm a proud veteran and Prince Hall Freemason and an American Freeman. My family was enslaved in the South and migrated to California as sharecroppers. I grew up at the 90059, which is the site of the 1965 riots, Watts riots, right in between Central and Avalon. I grew up in the 70s and the 80s during the time when black home ownership was high. Many of the people in my neighborhood were hardworking blue-collar employees who owned their homes. Shortly after Reagan was elected, crack cocaine and guns began to appear in our neighborhoods. 
Many of us just watched the conclusion of a cable show, Snowfall, which sadly portrayed the decimation of black families with pinpoint accuracy in Los Angeles. The 105 freeway contributed to this as well, uprooting hundreds of black families with imminent, with imminent domain. Gentrification and illegal immigration has forced many families to relocate. The streets are littered with homeless black Angelinos who are the victims of failed drug policies, aggressive policing, overpriced housing, and subprime housing with few employment opportunities. I believe reparations should be on, uh, in the form of lineage-based cash annuities, $1 housing, health care, reduced taxes, and have grave markers for descendants of chattel slavery and Jim Crow. Thank you. Thank you. Let's, uh, we're going to take Miss B. I, I can't, I know who she is. I can't sit up here and, come on, Miss B. B Hall, as Brother Billion said, it'll be a couple of years or so for us to get money. However, we can get reparation today three ways. Number one, name, name the commercial district of Lamert Park, Africa Town, at Lamert Park Village. Africa Town. We need a space in the geographic space. There are over 16 cultural tourism sites, but if you don't have a name on a piece of land, you control nothing. So Africa Town. Number one, PNGR. It is illogical to think that we as black people occupied the whole world except for California. We are the original people here in this state. All right, PNGR. They changed the R to a B. The letter T in front of a name means land. Ancient lands, ancient uh, languages did not use vowels. So T means land, N-G-R. This is our land, California, California. The last little thing is they say there's no money, that there's a budget deficit. C-A-F-R. Do your research on the comprehensive... What? C-F-A-R. Comprehensive financial, come on, give me, give me the words. Financial report. Okay. The, this state has over a trillion dollars. All cities, you need to do your research. There's plenty of money to pay reparations. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so it looks like I got the signal from uh, our director. <laughs> Capri Maddox, and so public comment is officially over, and we're going to move our agenda. I'm so sorry. Yes. I'm going to need you are. to email us, and I will give the email. No, it's no, reper. No, no, no. You only have three people. God bless you. But this is about us. Mr. Price, I know you want to. You want to do it? Let's we, get I tell you what. I tell you what. Let, let him speak. Hey, calm down. Calm down. You wasted speaking time. Mr. Pierce. Okay. Mr. Pierce. Pass the price. Mr. Pierce. We heard you, sir. We heard you. We heard you. Pass go the ahead, price. Go ahead and let him speak. Let him speak. It's, it's, it's 400 years of trauma. It's all right. Let, 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 let the brother speak. It's okay. Come on. I want to hear from him. Let him speak. My name is Bo. I'm from the hood. I want to thank all of you for coming out here today. appreciate your attendance and your hearing, but let's get to the nitty-gritty and be serious. When we speak of reparations, most people think of cash and money. That's secondary to what we really need. 
We didn't get here on the Mayflower, the Love Boat, the Nina, the Pinta, or the Santa Maria. We came on slave ships. We were Africans when we got off those slave ships, and it took us 400 years to become hyphenated Americans, a black hyphenated American, uh, uh, an African hyphenated American. As long as you have the hyphenation, you'll never be American. You'll never get reparations until someone admits guilt. Saying I'm sorry is not the same as admitting guilt. If I slap you upside the head and say I'm sorry, it's all cool. That's apology. But if I admit in the court of law this unconstitutional constitution that we have to deal with here in America, we need a contemporary constitution, and that'll never happen in America. So let's be serious. It ain't about money. It's about two things. Repatriation, being able to get home to Africa, uncontested dual citizenship, and a passport that is unstoppable. My time's up. I've been here 400 years. No, we need passports. Inexpensive, unconditional, and immediate. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pass the price. Can we? Pass the price. I know most of you. I've been in Los Angeles longer than most of you. I've been in Los Angeles since the 1940s. My name, my name is Reverend Tony Pierce. Pierce. The organization I represent is Black Wall Street Project. We have hundreds of chapters nationally. We're national Black Wall Street Project. Hundreds and hundreds of chapters across this nation. And we also have thousands and thousands of members. And we're getting ready to mobilize. They already know about us at the California meeting. They already know about us at the San Francisco meeting. They already know about us at the other places. I don't need to tell you. Or maybe I do. Madam Capri. Virgil. I don't have to tell you because you're black. Or are you? Now what we want you to do here is not BS. You've been meeting for two years, two years, and you ain't got nothing. Where's the money? Where's the help? Our people are dying on the streets. Mr. Pierce, we're not going to be... Where's the money? We're not going to be And don't come like here with less than $5 million. San Francisco's given $5 million. It should be millions. If you take that 40 acres... Land was expensive back then. Land was money. Cotton was money. If you take that 40 acres and you multiply it out, let's say it was a million dollars then, you owe $200 million now. Where's the money? Where's the services? We need help. That's right. Mr. Pierce, we appreciate...
We appreciate that energy. We do. We do, and we need you when we go to City Hall. We talk about what we want. I need you. I need you to show up. And you won't have to talk to this table. This table is here to help. We're not going to hurt the people that are here to help the people. But thank you so much for the comment. Is Kibite, uh, is he speaking? Are we letting the young man speak? Okay, good, good, good. So grateful to see the young folks here. Uh, for all the folks that are in the room, I know you're a Morehouse graduate, brother. Please stand up. For all the folks that are in the room, he's a doer. Remember, remember him. This, this is going to be one of our leaders in the future. Uh, he's the leader now, actually. He For is all the, the folks that now. are in the room that are under 25, please stand up. I want to shout you out because it's a beautiful sun Saturday, and you all are here, and you all are letting your voice and your presence be heard. So thank you for, for your leadership for being here. Do we have one more? Uh, David, David's the head of equity, so I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to cut it off, David, right now. Yes, ma'am. Dr. Hi. Truth Bay. All right. Well, a lot of points were made, and I want us to be very serious to help our family members who don't know about reparations be on reparations. It's about the youth. First thing I said was legislation. There has to be a protective body to protect us as classes, and Captain Higginbottom and Queen Mother said it best. The Constitution is a conflict of getting us reparations. You should be telling us that, not us telling you that. If you're not politically sound, Political science is most important. That's what W.E.B. Du Bois, that's what Booker T. Washington built on. If you don't know how the politics of how they know us better than we know us, we can't have that. Our children must know politics. They must be at City Hall. They must be at the board telling them about housing, incarceration, and mistreatment. All this no justice, no peace in the streets means nothing if we don't have nothing on paper and if we're not politically knowledgeable. That's all I'm saying. So we got to work together to work with, and these commissioner boards, as well as Camilla Moore, a lot of them are for the people for real, for real. So we got to work together to make it happen for our children and our children's children. Black power. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. Thank you for your help. Thank you I want to so just much. make a quick, uh, 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 there was a quick typo that I wanted to let you all know that um, if you can put the screen back up just so that we can clarify, so we can let people make their, their comments. It is LACR hyphen reparations with the S at LACity.org. Best way to remember that is not reparation for one, it's reparations. So LACR hyphen reparations with the S at LACity.org is where you can continue to give your comments. And we do need your comments because that's what we take when we go to city council. That's what we take to present to the mayor and other bodies. So I really appreciate the fact that you all know that it's reparations. Okay. Thank you so much, Madam Chair. Floor is back to yours. And by the way, it's so great to see Commissioner Roger Roberts here with us. We appreciate you. You lift a better Los Angeles everywhere you go all day long. Commissioner. Thank you again for public comment. All right. So you see why it's my favorite part of public engagement. I love public comments. Um, I'm here for all of it to be very honest with you all. So thank you so much for everyone who made a comment. For folks who, again, need to email to us, uh, lacr-reparations with, with an S uh, at lacity.org if there's more that you want to share uh, and for those who did not have the opportunity to speak. Um, we're going to move on to the study overview, and I'm going to pass it over to Commissioner Kaisi.
Good afternoon. Uh, this is the uh, study overview portion of the meeting, and I want to begin by sharing with you uh, that at the end of the presentation about the study, there will be another opportunity for you to participate. Uh, that will be more in the context of a Q&A about the study itself. And appreciating the public comment that we've had so far, I do want people to understand that understanding the study and contributing to the study is going to be the most important way that you can impact the ultimate outcome. Appreciating all the public comments, I want to repeat that understanding the study and contributing to the study is going to be the most important way you can impact the outcome because the study is going to drive the outcome. That being said, it's moments like this where I appreciate being on that side of the table where I usually am other than on this side of the table. Moments like this, I really do appreciate that. But I'm going to do my best from this side of the table on this one. There were some comments earlier, and I think anyone who is headed to the door should freeze until you've gotten your assignment. You've given us ours. I'm going to take a risk and give you one. In preparation for contributing to the study, and before we even get started on the study, I want to suggest that we are all a part of the study. That this, there's no more important time in our lifetimes to study our own histories, document our own harms, engage our own process of healing. This is what everyone who is attending today should already be doing or should endeavor to do as soon as this is over. Educate yourself about your family history. Prepare to advocate for yourselves. I've been meeting with the folks on this side of the table for some time now, and I can tell you this much. They are prepared to represent your ask as fully as you've suggested and more fully than most of us have suggested so far today. The question will be, at the end of the day, your level of participation, your level of education about your own harms and your family and your intergenerational harms, your willingness and readiness to advocate on behalf of reparations for yourself and those who, with whom you've shared space on this planet as black people. And last but not least, your willingness and readiness to actually organize, as opposed to organizing from that microphone today, organizing out there every day to make sure that more people are aware of this issue and prepared to advocate. <laughs> Have us take some liberties with that. I'll get to my part that I'm assigned to do. <laughs> So first of all, uh, there will be a Q&A. I want to direct everyone again to uh, the QR code on the flyer at your seat. You may submit multiple questions uh, about the study through that QR code. Those of you who do not have a smartphone can raise your hands and get a note card and pen from our L.A. City staff who are positioned around the room and they will bring that to you if you raise your hand and indicate that you'd like to get a note card and pen. So there's a hand up over there, so I suppose that's what uh, that's about. Um, is the slide up? Okay, so the study focus. Let me first say the commission is primarily 
focused on governmental actions since the adoption of city's 1925 charter. That's an important date because that is the date in which the city was actually established. Its study will also explore the impact of harms experienced by black residents of Los Angeles before the 20th century. Topics of study will include, but not necessarily be limited to, but they will include governmental sanctioned race-based violence, impacts of fugitive slave laws, land and asset seizures, redlining, restrictive covenants, and housing segregation, housing and employment discrimination, forced displacement, environmental and health outcomes, school segregation, mass incarceration, and law enforcement surveillance. And I'm going to, again, take a liberty and expand this notion of law enforcement surveillance to law enforcement engagement with black people over the history of our time in this city. Because as we know, many of the laws, not only is there just a direct engagement with black residents by law enforcement, but when we look at the history of the laws that have been discriminatory, that have been designed to control and limit the fortunes of black people, let's be reminded that law enforcement was in place to enforce those laws so that when black people stepped outside of those segregation laws, it was law enforcement that they got introduced to and incarceration that ultimately was the, the, the outcome. So there's a major piece that law enforcement, uh, housing segregation, and incarceration played in the harms. So that's the scope of our study. I will pass it back to Commissioner jones Mohammed to further uh, kind of walk us through the study process. Okay, I'm going to also take some liberties. Um, and we're going to go over quickly slides 22, 24, and then 23. So we're going to do 22, um, 24, and then 23, because then I want to turn it over to Dr. Selassie. Um, so <laughs> I want to first clear up some misinformation. Uh, Pastor Pierce, this group has actually been together for a, a year. Um, working and I also announced at the top of this uh, presentation that we for the past year have been understanding how the Commission can function uh, under the city's charter. Uh, with that we have actually done a public interfacing events. We uh, worked with the State Task Force for Juneteenth over in Leimert Park, uh, Juneteenth 2023. Uh, we also had two homecoming sessions, and we also had a preliminary um, survey that was prepared by uh, Diamond, uh, and that survey helped us to form uh, the things that we want to work on with our partners. So with that said, um, where we are now uh, essentially is in the final stages of contracting with our uh, partners. Um, we'll begin the research process of gathering and analyzing historical documentation. One of the things that I am most excited in, in CSUN, and this is going to come up, um, their team is extraordinary. Um, and some of the things that we are wanting to do, we are going to be able to do because of the expertise of the CSUN group. Um, they are almost like specifically made for what it is that we need to do here. 
okay? Um, we're going to work with a, a collaboration with community to develop recommendations. Um, I, I, I literally, and this is how seriously we're taking it, I have my page of notes uh, from public comments. Other commissioners are writing down the public comments. We take your comments seriously. Um, we do not take them at all lightly. Um, we're going to work uh, on the recommendations and the services that the city can offer to the eligible body, and we're going to take uh, into consideration the co comments we heard about who should be eligible. Um, we're also going to submit those recommendations uh, to the mayor and to the city council. And so what Commissioner Kaisi was talking about, uh, what you heard Capri Maddox talking about, this part, whether you think it is or is not, is the easier part. When the legislation shows up at City Council, when the legislation shows up in front of Mayor Karen Bass, that is when you all and your advocacy and your voices will need to be even louder than they were today. With that said, I want to move on to a slide, I believe that is 24, to talk about the proposed study structure. So we have phase one, which we are effectively in through June of 2023. Uh, where we are going to, if I'm understanding this correctly, we're going to prep for research on harms that are specific to the city of Los Angeles. Phase two is going to be from July 2023 through March of 2024, um, where we're going to have our academic and research partners uh, on LA's harms and paths. We're actually going to have case studies that are going to be presented. Our phase three will be from April 2024 through August 2024 um, with community reparation and co-creation workshops. That is when you're going to see us around different parts of the city um, to really engage on what has been done to date. And then uh, uh, phase four will be from September 24 through January 2025 where we have uh, actual programming, fiscal recommendations, coming out of this body, uh, going to city council, and going to uh, Mayor Bass. I also want to share with you, um, this body wanted things to be faster than that. We wanted to see if we could somehow get this process to happen within a 12-month cycle, but one of the things that we were really, really uh, aware of was the, the city of LA's budget cycle. And so we wanted to make sure that as we created the phases, we had our, our academic partners on board with us through the period leading up to a budget phase so that we could make sure that the actual recommendations could go into an actual budget and not sit uh, for too long, not sit for too short where, where we don't have enough reactionary time, and that caused us to actually extend this out for one year. Initially, we tried to see if we could somehow make the budget of 2024. There was no way um, at the hiring of our academic partners at this time that that could happen. So I want you all to, to not just see a timeline and react to the timeline without understanding some of the nuance um, to the timeline. We are prepared to really be in that budget for 2025, and I need you all to know this. So with that said, now let's go to 2022 so we can get into our academic partners because I'm a fan of CSUN. Y'all don't know how much of a fan, but you're about to find out. So CSUN's College of Social and Behavioral Sciences uh, is our academic partner. 
um, we have the Department of Africana Studies, the Department of Criminology and Justice Studies, the department, y'all don't know how important this department is, of geography and environmental sciences, along with this department of geospatial sciences. Trust me, these are the right ones. And so today we have with us Dr. Selassie from CSUN, but our other academic partner is uh, Mockingbird Analytics, and Mockingbird Analytics is going to work on that fund development research part and that historical, how has reparations historically been paid for because we are leaving no money on the table. We are committed to this. And so with that being said, uh, I want to turn over to Dr. Selassie um, so that you can tell us all the good things that I know are coming from your team. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner. Um, thank you all for sticking around. I know it's really hot. You've been here for a couple of hours. A lot of information has been passed around, so there's a lot to take in. Um, but before I get started with just my brief overview of the study, I would just like to see if my partners are here, the team members. Um, there is Dr. Marquita Gamage. There there's also uh, Dr. Karen Stanford. There is um, Dr. Brianna Posley, Dr. Steve Graves, and Daniel Braun. I know Danielle's sitting up at the front. One of the things that I have to really stress to you all about the study that we are about to commence is, number one, we will be the largest city that has taken on a reparation study. I think someone earlier said that as goes California, so goes the rest of the nation. Well, they should have applied that to Los Angeles. Once this study is finished and it goes out to the broader public, there will be, I can guarantee you, a large outcry on both sides, both from its detractors and from those people who are supporters. This will be a monumental study that will be looked at by people, not just here in the United States, California, but throughout the world and how to do reparations. One of the things that I'd like to stress about this study is that we all know why. All of us here know why. Why we need to do this study. What we want to highlight is how things were done in Los Angeles that precipitated reparations. So far, by just looking at the preliminary data, I can tell you that it is ominous. I wrote my PhD dissertation on black Los Angeles, and even last night, I was stunned at some of the preliminary data, particularly on housing, that will literally make your blood curl. Literally. So this study is intended to demonstrate what we already know in the black community that are truths, things that I call facts beyond change. But what we need to do is to write a study that demonstrates to a larger audience that at best will be open and at worst will be skeptical and hostile. If you read any of the comments that came out from the study in San Francisco, 
it will allude you to the kind of backlash that we all need to be prepared for. The backlash for that study in San Francisco and other areas was just deeply disheartening, deeply sad, but we all know what we can expect. What we want to do in this study is to generate both qualitative and quantitative data, and we're going to need your help with that. You're going to have to tell us your stories. This just isn't, although we will be doing some academic work here because we need to survey the data, we need to do a literature review about what's already been written about black Los Angeles, we need to do all of those things. And probably many of you are familiar right, with those studies. I've seen people carrying around books today. So I think that you're pretty familiar with some of the literature that has been written about black Los Angeles. But what we don't really know or have a really good handle on are the stories that you have to tell. So what this study is going to do is to look at the effects of public policy, the justice system, environmental racism, and how all of this shaped black Los Angeles. Part of our effort will be to survey the community, you all, and we're going to do that by having or just obtaining from you real live data. We will have town halls. We are preparing, some of my team members are preparing surveys. We are going to cover every single corner possible to elicit how the city of Los Angeles, both public and private, limited black life in this city. But the power is in your hands. Not with the researchers at CSUN, although we will be doing our best, and not with the commission. It's all going to be through you. We will collect this data through surveys, questionnaires, as I said before, town hall meetings, and we all need your participation. So with that being said, if you have any questions, please fill out one of the cards or uh, do the QR codes. Let us know so we can answer that. And with that, I will turn my time over to Dr. Vanderwood. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much. What, just one second, Commissioner Vanderwood. Have you all ever wanted to actually map disparities or thought about if we could put it on a piece of paper and map it out to see what it visually looks like? Anybody? This is the team that can do it, and they can do it with multiple layers. And so I, I can't even say it enough. CSUN's team is going to be one of the most powerful reparations academic partners that we have seen in a way to give us not just numerical data, but to give us actual visual data where we can pinpoint it on a map. I am so, so happy to be of service. I'm so happy to have CSUN. Thank you so much for being here. You guys are going to see the fruit of this work. Give us the time to do it. Dr. Vanderwood. All righty. So we're going to ask you to be patient with us for just a little bit longer, uh, and then you're going to get on with your Saturday afternoon, right? 
So our Mockingbird Analytics, as we already mentioned, our other partner, is unable to be here today. I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up of what we see coming in that contribution. I hope you can all hear me okay, and we ask you, can you hear me okay? All righty, let's try that again. So Mockingbird and the Analytics is unable to join us today, and there are other partners. And they're going to bring extensive knowledge, and as we look at of national, international reparations funding strategies, including challenges uh, and community critiques, uh, they are known to do extensive uh, knowledge of past reparations funding, including case studies and strategies, and also including effective funding models as we continue with this work. We'll have insights from original research to calculate the cost of inequitable services potential philanthropic funders to also help with funding the city's support uh, and reparations efforts. We also anticipate uh, determinations about the monetary cost of harms to and on black LA residents and communities, and an understanding of the cost of compensation or the value of reparations services, looking at funding options, trade-offs and implications of a narrow set of reparations program recommendations. So that's what we anticipate, sustainable funding options and implications of the final reparations recommendations is actually uh, what Mockingbird Analytics will bring to the table. Now I'm going to return us back to Commissioner uh, jones Mohammed. Thank you so much, Commissioner. So. Let me give you, I try to make things digestible. So Mockingbird, and I, we fought for Mockingbird, and we fought for them because uh, our bylaws say that we have to actually consider funding sources. I, that is not my area of expertise. Um, also, if you've been following reparations in Evanston, which is the second uh, municipality behind uh, uh, Rosewood, Florida, uh, Evanston is actually the second municipality behind Rosewood, Florida, to actually have legislation for reparations be in implemented uh, where people actually, beneficiaries actually received something. And in their housing program, they did a projection on cannabis uh, income taxes or the taxes of cannabis in order to fund their program. They expected for cannabis to expand, but they didn't expect COVID. And because COVID came and shut the city down, the growth that was expected in cannabis did not happen, and so they eff effectively had a fiscal shortfall to what they were going to do with their reparations program. We did not want Los Angeles to have a fiscal shortfall. We wanted to make sure we explored all the options, whether it was from the general fund of Los Angeles, a, a cannabis fund, a newly created tax structure, uh, public uh, private partnership. Mockingbird's job is to help us ensure that we find every nickel in the couch, every dollar that's underneath the couch, you know, every quarter that we stuck in the quarter jar, we are going to find the money and the resources in order to bring a program to the city of Los Angeles that makes sense. So with that said, we have uh, some questions. We have room for Q&A. We don't have a lot of time. We've gone over. And so I think we're going to take about three to five questions. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm supposed to read these. I'm reading these questions. Um, and we are going to attempt to answer those questions. Uh, and then I'm going to give some lovely closing remarks. Uh, and we're going to get you all out of here because it's hot. And I know it's hot because I'm like, whoo. Um, so questions. Um, 
what would you like to know about the study? So someone asked, how soon can we see the monetary reparations? The modern day's descendants of American Negro slaves are long overdue. At the rate things are going, by the time we get to reparations, the American dollar may not have any value. Okay, we just went over the timeline. I actually already answered this question in that we are trying to get this into the 2025 budget. That is the timeline that we are sticking to. Next question. Uh, does the advisory commission include or reference Connor's H.R. 40 study for conclusions? It is amazing to me that the Senate Congress still recommends the study. How do we move past the study? We just explained uh, thanks to Dr. Selassie, that we're doing a study. That is the purpose because we need to be able to quantify harm. We need to be able to map harm. We need to consider those that live in Los Angeles and those who are harmed and left Los Angeles. Um, so there is work to do. It's not cut and dry, even though we understand conceptually. We need to go beyond conception into reality so that we, again, can go from Dr. Selassie's team at uh, CSUN to Mockingbird's team so that we can then say, this is how we're going to fund the repair. Okay. How do the efforts align with California Reparations Task Force conducted by the state? Is this the same effort, a local effort? Is the city of Inglewood involved? The city of Inglewood is not involved. They have their own governance. They have their own govern government. And so the city of Los Angeles is its own uh, city charter. It has its own government. And so they are not the same. Again, we have been informed by the State Reparations Task Force. We have learned some things, which is why we have Mockingbird. We also uh, are very... Uh, compelled to make sure that there is uh, a media and some marketing that is done to make sure that the people of Los Angeles knows that this is happening because again we did learn from the, the, the state's task force um, and so there have been a couple of dollars earmarked for that purpose. I wouldn't be mad though if anybody walked over there with some of the budgetary recommendations that you could make to maybe give us some more marketing dollars because we are a large city and this commission could use it. However, um, we have learned, but the state is the state, the municipality is the municipality, and we are focused on the municipality. Um, how can I help get the word out to community? how to focus solutions on African-Americans who are descendants of U.S. chattel slavery. Uh, I'm a reparationist. Yesterday I did a friends and family uh, virtual experience. If you want us to host a friends and family virtual experience with you, I need you to send an email to lacr-reparations at lacity.org. Tell a friend, bring your church uh, leadership, bring your, if you're a sorority, you're a Delta Sigma, uh, Greek, whatever the letters are, Alpha Kappa, all of those things, whatever. Tell your Greek friends, tell your HBCU family, tell your banker, tell your dog walker, tell whoever you need to tell that is part of your network, bring them here. If you want us to have a conversation with them, all you have to do is ask and we will do that for you. And be part of our public engagement process. If you have an organization, uh, if you have a union, this, this is a union strong town. If you're part of a union and you want to make sure your membership receives that information, please make sure you become part of our, I want to call you ambassadors. 
so that you get the communication and you know every time we send you a blast, you know to communicate that out to your people so they can be part of our process. Um, the last question I see here, well, there are two questions. When will there be an updated study? Is the LA Reparations Commission going to con consult with the I don't know who the JEDI committee is, so whoever wrote that question, I'm going to need you to email me some information about that. I don't have an answer for that, but we've given the timeline and we're committed to staying on that timeline because we are doing what? 2025 budget. Everything leads to 2025 budget. We are intentional with our work. Um, is the commission able to support a black tax to withhold the state and federal taxes of black Americans until the repair is uh, paid? Are they able to start a land back process sooner than 2025? The city of Los Angeles can only command land that they own. Uh, and as far as taxes as a strategy, that is what Mo Mockingbird would have to introduce to us. So if there are tax professionals that want to lend their understanding of tax regulations, of IRS code, of the uh, uh, city tax structure and income tax structure, please make recommendations again to LACR-reparations with an S at LACity.org. So those were all the questions that we had come through. Um, for those of you who stayed through to the end, I really, really, really want to thank you so much for being here. What I'll say is I do have questions in my hand. However, the commission is going to have to answer these. We'll post them online. A lot of them are the same, have already been answered. Uh, we are uh, running towards the close of our uh, um, public engagement community meeting today. Uh, but we do have your questions. We will be answering them. Thank you, commission. Okay. I didn't. Reparations. Now, reparations, now, reparations, now, That was the perfect way for us to end uh, our first, or actually our second, like, but our, our first official, like, live a reparations advisory commission meeting with the public. We want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank Cam. Uh, they hosted us here today in their lovely facility. I want to thank the uh, staff of the museum and the press for making sure that the word got out. We saw by the numbers that showed out um, that we were very effective. And so tell 10 friends so the next time we need a space even larger than this one. I want to thank you all so much for attending. Stay informed. Sign up for the newsletter. Volunteer with us if you would like. You can go to www.civil and, and it's spelled out, A-N-D, humanrights.lacity.org under the Get Involved tab, and we will make sure that you are able to do that. For the familiar faces that I've seen who are really part of this reparations work, thank you so much. And I also want to thank the commissioners for being here, for being dedicated to this cause, and to our CSUN partners, Dr. Selassie, the team in the audience. We thank you so much for being part of the process and are very, very excited to work with you all. Thank you all thank so much.
and work with all of the audacity, some of which maybe in her physical presentation she has lost today, but never in spirit, and Queen Mother Moore going across the South, saving lives of young black men and demanding reparations, forming the Ethiopian women, and somewhere in the back of her mind, with a concept of the legal idea of laches, meaning that if you have a right and you don't do anything about this right, then you can't claim it later. And Queen Mother and Dara Bubakarian, Virginia Collins and others out of New Orleans and in the South formed the formed the Ethiopian Women's Association. They went to New York. And indeed, Queen Mother would get her name from Baba Adafumi in New York. And they sent a missive to the United Nations in, 1860, in 1963 because they had an idea 
that unless within 100 years of the Emancipation Proclamation we made a formal demand to international sources, we might as well forget reparations since they did it. To try to preserve for us the idea and the right to avoid this legal concept of latches, Queen Mother, Virginia Collins, women in this trial, <laughs> preserving for us this right. And all of you here, most of you here, except the very young, know the modern story. Republic of New Africa in 1968 formed the cause, in large part, of the work of Queen Mother. But these were the Malcolmites. The members of the Malcolm X Society formed after his assassination, who then called the Black Government Conference. And when we finished that Black, and Betty Shabazz was there and leaned over and said to me, when they nominate, I, I would be willing to serve as second vice president, and she was named sec second vice president of the provisional government. And here, where a declaration of independence was concluded, part of it says, we claim no rights from America except those rights that belong to people all over the world, and these include the right to reparations for the grievous harm inflicted upon us, our people, by the United States. The Republic of New Africa people went into the streets. Some of you in Chicago may have first encountered provisional government people asking you to sign a petition. And incidentally, we have petitions out there now to support this bill of John Conyers. And I hope you'll take the opportunity to sign. And if you would like to be part of the uh, National Reparations Coalition, just put an asterisk by your name because there will be formal meetings here in Chicago. Um, but then there's the African People's Socialist Party that began a series of tribunals calling people in to testify, to make a record as to reparations, as to the harm. And you lawyers who are in the audience know that one of the things that you do all the time is to value life. I mean, obviously you can't put dollar signs on somebody's life. But you have the task as lawyers to go into the courtroom and somebody's been hit by a public bus and you evaluate the age of the person and how many years they would have lived if they had not been hit and what they would have been if they had been able to get a little more education and you value life. Obviously, no dollar signs can take the place of someone who has been killed or, or even injured. I mean, you don't want two million dollars even for your leg. Really. Lawyers value life. And so the African People's Socialist Party undertook to make a record so that we can begin to say, what is it that they owe us? What is the minimum that they owe? And as you can plan in your mind when you take into consideration the, the uh, Middle Passage, when you take into consideration just the war waged against us in North America under the United States Constitution's provision of what we call the Fugitive Slave Provision, which said that you could not even leave just peacefully and quietly and go away because the whole 
force of the United States government, Army, Navy, Marines stood against you, their court system stood against you, never mind that, as the sister said, they will cut off Gabriel's head and hang it on the post. Gabriel understood that if he lost the revolution, that they were going to do that to him. He knew what kind of people they were dealing with, so they stuck his head and those of his companions on the post and, 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 and arrayed the walks into the town of Richmond with these heads so that everybody, and particularly the black people, would understand that you don't raise your hand against white people. So we understood. The revolutionaries understood that if they lost, that would be their suit. Their suit. But what about the little old lady? Reading her Bible and decides, unlike the Hebrew, she won't take any gold and silver. Won't say to the people who have been harming her, let me just borrow this so I can go out into the desert and play, I pray. The little old lady who just leaves quietly at night watching the North Star barefoot. The full force of the United States government was against her, not just Gabriel or Nat Turner. And so the African People's Socialist Party began to make the record. Come in and testify. What can we say? And you know, what can they give us here? It was obvious before the calculations were even made that they owed us the whole thing. And so the African People's Socialist Party worked in the streets and then in Baltimore and in Tallahassee and certain other places across the United States trying to raise this consciousness. And in uh, 1987, the Provisional Government's Legislature, this is the national body, hope some of you who really believe in land, who really believe that we should have independence, I hope some of you will run for this National Congress doesn't have any power yet because we're not free, but we need the Congress before we are free. I hope in the RNA elections this year, those of you who are really serious and will bring your talent and your money will run and be elected out of Chicago or wherever you may happen to live to this national body. They decided that we would try to call together black people from across this country to see if we could form a coalition that was not just land-based nationalists like myself, but that spread out to the sororities and the fraternities, the churches, that spread out to all groups. And we said we wanted to, at that time, work, make a more positive new African contribution to the freedom of our people in Southern Africa. And mind you, that's another story, but Africans have done much here. Now we obviously can criticize ourselves and say we should do more, but we've done much here. And we wanted to do more. And we said the other thing, we'd use these twin things of reparations and South Africa. And we had long debates and finally people said, let us just concentrate on reparations. And Nana Shisebi, who is the representative for the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania, said, yes, do that. That will help us in South Africa. And so the National Conference of Black Lawyers came together with the provisional government and formed this national coalition of blacks for reparations in America and COBRA. 
And as I said, the petitions are outside for you to sign. And if you want to work with this, uh, please just put an asterisk beside your name. And in Cobra, maybe it was just the time, came along at a time when a stalwart brother in Detroit who had worked with the movement and worked specifically with the Republic of New Africa, named Raymond Jenkins, a real estate broker who always put his money where his mouth was and his energy and his body, began another movement for reparations and he went to a friend of his named Bill Owens, who's a senator in the Massachusetts legislature, and they talked. And Bill Owens said, look, I promised my father that if I ever got into a position to put in a reparations bill, I will do so. He did so. And so in Massachusetts, a bill has been put into the legislature saying that Massachusetts owes black people and should pay. Now, obviously, Massachusetts is not rushing to pass that resolution. And the way the brothers and sisters there are handling it, we will have opportunities to go and debate. And I want to make testimony. I want to come back to that because this is a serious fight, and we need all of you. I mean, we've got some serious oppositions out, out there, and I'll come back to that. And then Ray Jenkins went back to Detroit, and he talked to some people on the Detroit City Council, and he talked to the county governing body, and both of those bodies passed the resolution saying that the United States ought to pay the reparations. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Detroit and Michigan owe also for what they did to us after slavery. But anyhow, they at least passed the reparations uh, resolution demanding that uh, Detroit act. And incidentally, uh, Ms. Janita Tolson of Baton Rouge was kind enough to come here uh, with me. We're both members of the uh, Baton Rouge and Cobra group, and of course I, I helped to form it, but they sort of run this thing by themselves and tell me that they do. But in anyhow, in Baton Rouge, uh, Peggy Bookter and, and Herbert Bookter, who are our leaders there, uh, have been able to get the Louisiana State House, or, or rather a, one of the brothers, in the Louisiana State House to put in the reparations motion demanding that Louisiana support the um, Congress bill. And now they have a second reparations amendment which demands that Louisiana pay itself. So, and that hasn't been uh, put in yet, but we expect that it will in the next few weeks. So the history of reparations is continuous. And Queen Mother Moore's concern about latches does not have to really concern us. But then we recall that the United States has never really given us any kind of justice except when they were forced to. For those of us who were in the RNA 11 and went to jail in Mississippi after they tried to shoot us up and they died, it is always a bit of ironic humor to hear people talk about the system works. Uh, they're talking about Huey Newton got out of jail. But you know, as I know, that you got him out. The American system did not gratuitously turn Huey Newton out of jail. They look at Angela Davis. System works. The United States system did not gratuitously turn Angela Davis out. The system doesn't work. And we have to force the system to do things. 
So whether or not there's a doctrine of laches that could possibly have stood in our way, it really couldn't, because we have never forgotten reparations. It really doesn't matter to our enemies, and the United States is our enemy until they are willing to sign a peace treaty. As you know, they never signed it with Elijah Muhammad, not to mention Demarc Vesey, Gabriel. They haven't signed it with the Republic of New Africa. Never apologized to you, even the bill in Congress that was good, that I mentioned, that was going to make it possible for you to buy 40 acres. Never apologized to you. The United States is our enemy until they cease this war against us. Now, the enemy has to be forced. If they don't have latches, they're going to think of something else. And this is what I meant when I said we have a serious problem. Uh, let me move on to John Kanye's bill. John Kanye's bill asked for a commission to study uh, the harm that was done to black people during slavery and afterwards by uh, discrimination. And I know what you say, another commission, Andy Thompson and all these political scientists know that when you set up a commission, that's a way to get rid of the problem. What you do is you create a commission to say, we're doing something, folks. And then when the commission report comes out, you say, thank you, and you put it on your desk, and that's the end of it. But Kanye's plan is, in a way, an opportunity for us to bring testimony to Congress and shape a bill. That's what it comes down to. Now, that's easy, isn't it? Everybody knows that they killed somewhere close to 80% of the people that they put on their slave ships, right? And we all know that they took our names and our common sense. I mean, you're too familiar with that. I won't even go into that. Assaulted our personality and only your vigor. I just sit back and, I mean, I'm so happy to be a new African, a black person. I sit back and marvel at you all. You just <laughs> never stay still and never accept what people attempt to put on you. Now, we can criticize each other about what we do and that this is dumb or that's dumb. That's fine. We're entitled to criticize each other and we're entitled to perfect a proper approach to our liberation. But you are so busy organizing everywhere achieving in educational fields and just doing everything that they told you you couldn't do, flying space shuttles, commanding, becoming mayors, even though you sometimes forget who you are, <laughs> and just doing every kind of thing. I remember when I worked for the uh, Army Tank Automotive Command and I would go to different cities and sure enough I'd be, because I was a writer for technical manuals and we'd go there to supervise this writing of manuals and I'd look around and there in many cases there was some black engineer even in those days sitting in the back doing a whole lot so such a dynamic people who never simply sat by and said boss don't hit me and I'll just be happy to be here such a dynamic fighting people, but we got problems because you have heard that revisionist economists tell us 
that it wasn't too bad in slavery economically. That the poor white workers in the North had more of their surplus value taken from them than we did, right? <laughs> so don't think that you can walk up to Congress backwards and blindfolded and throw the ball through the hoop. There's going to be some folks up there that are going to tell you, y'all didn't have it bad, and while we're thinking about it, we ought to help the white folks. So the economists have to come in with their serious work done. We look at Hofstede, he said, well, you know, Professor Hofstede, a great guy, said that something like uh, 12,000 black people, this is not exact figures, were all those that went into North America. Now here at the end of the Civil War, we're four million people held in slavery. And remember, part of that re-education never allowed the students to say slaves. It's people held in slavery. But you never forget the repression and the resistance. No slaves, people held in slavery. Now, we say, uh, well, certainly, uh, we lost all these people in the Middle Passage. And they say, did you? <laughs> I say, like, remember that some of our figures, we run 100 million. I say, we think that they pulled 100 million people out of Africa, or at least between those killed in Africa and those who died on the way, 100 million people. And these white folks say, no, nah, no, no, that didn't happen. There weren't even 100 million people living in Africa there. You see? You've got serious problems as we begin to, as the lawyers do, value life. And so our historians have to be prepared. Don't get mad at John Conyers because he put in a bill asking for a commission. Just get yourself together to come down there with your facts right when the hearings open. It may not be this year. It may be later. And what else? Now, I think Brother Hannibal told me I'm going to have a chance tomorrow to talk something about the Republic of New Africa, but I just want to mention this to you. We in the provisional government take the position that black people should not say we're American citizens. I mean, this relates to uh, also this question of our using the term African-American. And I asked one of my colleagues, I said, Ron Walters, who was one of those who pushed us, said, look, Ron, uh, you know, why, why use this term African-Americans? Because, you know, we're not Americans. And he said, yeah, but um, just to get us to say African now is <laughs> such an improvement that maybe we ought to take this step. But what concerns us is maybe let's just say Africans. We're just Africans. I mean, like we don't say we're Africans in the New World, so we're New Africans or Africans because uh, in the 200 years between 1660 and 1860, uh, we have, what, 10, 7 generations. And in that time, who were these Africans? Uh, they didn't come from one country, one state, one nation in Africa. They came from several. I mean, even though they said, well, we came basically from the West Coast. But you remember, it was the, Spani uh, the Portuguese who attacked into the Angola region and who also went around and attacked, themsel attacked themselves into Mozambique. And so we came from all over the continent. 
And here we had many people from many different nations who could not stay together. In Africa, you knew who you could marry. Once you get here, you've got to marry the fellow or the woman who was next to you. And so we have in America, across seven to ten generations, a fusing of people from many different African nations and states. And then you've got the Indian genes and you've got the European genes in our gene pool. And so here then you have a common history that solidifies the people. We know, we say we know who, who's black. And how do we know that? Here I am walking around looking like I'm white, even got blue eyes. How do you know I'm black? You know it because, not only because of the gene pool, because you know my brother and sister who may not have blue eyes and fair skin, not only because of gene pool, but you know it also because of the common perspective and the common history. So when we look, for instance, at people on the same territory in the same space, maybe it's easier if we look, say, at the Mohawk or the Passamaquoddy or some of those in uh, New York or New England. Uh, here, when the whites come, the Europeans come to Massachusetts, the, uh, they are on the same land with the Passamaquoddy. They are in the same time frame. They are experiencing the same event, which will be war, because we read the end of the book, so we know it turns into war. So here they are, same time, same place, same time frame, two different perspectives. The whites are saying, oh God, thank you for giving us this wonderful land. And the Indians are saying, much like we do, God, what did we do to lose this land? Or as we would say, God, what did we do wrong, Brother Shango, to get us in this mess? What can we do to get out of it? See, same time, same place, same event, two different perspectives. And those two different perspectives.